Welcome to the Dead Pixel Podcast. This is the podcast home for all the people that work in the archival and production world. The artists and technicians that keep production going long after the shoot is finished. We're engineers, colorists, restorers, administrators, cinematographers, editors, animators, designers, and filmmakers. We work in both sound and visual, in analog and digital. The one thing that we share in common is that we spend some, if not all, of our time working in dark rooms, working alone. Finally, we get to share our stories here on the Dead Pixel Podcast. Welcome to the Dead Pixel Podcast. I'm Lee Klein. I'm here with my co-host, Ryan Hullings. Hi, everybody. And today we're going to talk with Joe Goller, who is the senior colorist and partner at Harbor Picture Company in New York City. Hello. Good morning. Joe. Hi, Joe. Hey, man. Hi, guys. Uh, we started working with Joe, or should I say I started working with Joe in 97, or no, it was 2000, actually. We just got, we just narrowed that down to 2000, <laughs> uh, when you were a colorist at the New York Post facility called the Tape House, which was the legendary Tape House. And uh, since then, I followed Joe to Technicolor in Lower Manhattan, where we literally worked on dozens of films together uh, because of the advent of high definition and trying to get lots of movies ready in HD. And then from Technicolor, Joe went to Deluxe, where we worked on more films together uh, in what I remember as your first big digital intermediate theater and starting That's right. 2K work. Yep. And then finally, now uh, you landed as a founder and a partner at the Harbor Picture Company, uh, where I'd like to think that you've established yourself as one of the world's leading DI colorists. So uh, I, I personally attribute wow. your success. Well, it's true. I, you know, the reason I think you're successful at it is, and I was trying to come up with with all the things that, but there were just three main ones that that I saw. One is uh, you're talented. Two is you have a tireless work ethic, and you're just a really good human being. And I think all <laughs> those things make you a perfect person to spend time in a room with to get this kind of work done. Um, but thank I, you. Thank you, Lee. That means a lot coming from you because I've probably spent more time in a dark room with you than at least while awake than any other human being. <laughs> we have been I wasn't always awake, so that's good. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> you know, one of the things I was thinking is that I never see, I've never seen you lose your temper, although um, I think you probably should have it with me a few times. But, um, you know, I, if you left Harbor and went to another place, I'd follow you wherever you went. So it's a good sign that uh. we're, we'll continue to work with you. Uh, for a long time, or at least until you retire or I retire or something. Like yeah. That. Well, uh, I mean, wow. Like here we are 20 some odd years later, still working together. Yep. Um, and yeah, I think I attribute my, my temperament to my Midwestern upbringing and, uh, you know, you being, you know, from the East coast, New York and, and me being from the Midwest, like, I just love like the interplay we have with each other coming from these different worlds. But, um, whenever people ask me about my success and, and kind of how I got to where I am today, like, um, my path definitely diverged once I met you, you know, I was a commercial colorist. I was doing right. music videos and, and TV commercials and that was all fine and good. And, you know, if I had something that was playing on the Super Bowl, I'd arrived. You know, that that was like that that was that was the big goal. Or one time I was, you know, walking through Times Square, you know, having moved to New York not long before then and saw something I'd worked on on one of those big screens and I was like, That's it. I, I can die it. now. I've made it. <laughs> um and then the, you know, because this digital intermediate process of 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 grading films uh for theatrical release digitally, that that was not even on people's minds at that point. Um, but there were people uh, at the tape house, um, kind of particularly at night, um, that were doing this kind of home video mastering for like Miramax titles and stuff like that. And, and, right. uh, and these guys were working off of different type of film elements that I'd never touched. You know, I, at that point, I was just getting original camera negative for diaper commercials and, uh, you know, uh, Coca-Cola spots and things, you know, things like that. And, um, and anyway, so, you know, once, once I 
met you and uh, and got to sink my teeth into remastering feature films, then it was all over. Like I knew that 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 was what was re- really exciting to me. Yeah, and you took to it really easily because what I always found was commercial colorists that tried to do movies tended to lose interest in a movie a little bit later on as they kind of got to hour two because they were, their mindset was was 60, 30-second features, 30-second spots, and you were uh, able to grasp that two-hour movie really easily, which made, meant that you were made for this kind of thing because they, most commercial colors don't do it that easily. Uh, I think you're right. I think I made for the feature film world just because um you know with the advertising you've you've got a room full of uh of people in there that all have an opinion and it's about um you know managing that 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 room full of 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 people that uh kind of you know they can pull the image apart because they all have maybe different uh intentions uh and mm-hmm. maybe the cinematographer's not even there or the director's not even there uh and to me there was always something very challenging about that you know it, did well with it, but it wasn't until I started working with you and, you know, like uh, Robert Altman or Richard Linklater would come in and, and I'm sitting with you and them and it just like, it all clicked. You know, I'm like, this this is how I like to spend my day, <laughs> you yeah, know, right. so is working with these kind of uh, people. It's like a singular vision and, um, and it wasn't about pulling something apart uh, and recreating it. It was about... Uh, breathing um life back into something that you know there already was an intent there and it's just like figuring out how uh with with the telecent you know we were using spirit scanners at the time i think yeah. it's also why you started working at the tape house to finally get to work in high definition was that the first hd scanner the spirit uh i think it was so one of them for sure i do remember you know it was the first non-tube based telecine oh, wow. So for people don't, that don't know, uh, you know, to transfer any kind of a television show or a movie or TV commercials back then, you know, to get your film onto a videotape, you know, you had to run it through this telecine, um, which was, a, you know, a real-time scanner. Um, and they all had, uh, back in the day, the original ones had, you know, tubes uh, that were sending light through these photoelectronic cells. Uh, I'm not an engineer necessarily here, but uh, I remember we had these PEC cells and, and the light would go and bounce off a mirror, go through the, uh, the the film as it was going across the gate in real time, and then would get split into a red, green, and blue signal. And, uh, and so you'd have to kind of balance that first input signal from the uh, the light going through the film. So what you were feeding your color corrector, you didn't want to be crushing the blacks or clipping the highlights because there was no way you could recover it on the color corrector if you weren't feeding it uh, a proper um, balance signal. And uh, and anyway, so then the Spirit Data Cine came out and uh, and that was the first high definition. Somebody may correct me, I may be wrong about that. but it, I think it was one of the first. Yeah, certainly one of the first and it became kind of the standard, right? Because yeah. I remember uh, a lot of other companies were trying to Developed this technology, and and the spirit seemed to be the one that kind of nailed it first. And, yeah, for um, sure. So yeah, you and I remastered many, 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 many titles together. We did. Based I, off I, of that, I was looking at some of these movies, and um, this is where I, I totally embarrass you when I tell you some of the amazing movies that you've worked on. These are just quickly what I thought of. Okay, shortcuts: Seven Samurai, Yojimbo, The Ice Storm, Something Wild, The Leopard, Blowout. Repo Man, The Graduate, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, Virgin Suicides, Safe, Dazed and Confused, Bottle Rocket, Shall I Continue, or do you feel like that's enough to get <laughs> um, And then just some of the, the filmmakers that we worked on together before, yeah. and the ones that you worked on alone were completely even more amazing, but Vim Vendors, Robert Altman, Ang Lee, Jonathan Demme, Brian De Palma, Jim Jarmusch, My- Mira Nair, Todd Haynes, Steven Soderbergh, Wes Anderson, Martin Scorsese, Richard Linkletter, James Ivory, Whit Stillman. Okay, I'll stop because it's Amazing. just a, a sick roster of movies and filmmakers. Um, 
And then we'll get into some of the ones that you've worked on that you, you, you didn't need me for anymore. You had you were, <laughs> you were way out, you were way out there. Well, I had to beg to get in with you. <laughs> what happened is when this digital intermediate process for you know finishing movies for a theatrical release became a reality on the East Coast because of the Criterion Collection. You guys gave me like the, the street cred with filmmakers to them trust trust me in, in grading their their movies uh, for you know for that kind of theatrical release. So you know at that point I was one of maybe two or three people in New York that you know wasn't just doing commercials and music videos through uh, you know like a digital color corrector. Um, and so I really credit so much of my feature film success to and even still to this day um got, i mean all all that time that you and i spent together with those fantastic like just such interesting amazing uh filmmakers over the years it's such um, good stories too that we have that yeah. we can't really share because sometimes people would you know when you're in a room with a filmmaker for eight hours or 16 or 40 hours whatever it is they share some pretty intimate stories that you know you know you can't tell anybody because they were just yes. kind of came up in conversation that I, I i love that about the the color grading suite is is it just becomes this like little zen safe place uh for filmmakers uh not all filmmakers feel that way but uh, most of them <laughs> yeah they get in that room yeah lights exactly. go down yeah you know uh hopefully a lot of that kind of stress and pressure from production and and all the kind of just stress of making the movie is like come down to like now this final moment of yeah. like it, this should be like this pleasurable experience for them to and and in the case of the criterion titles it's just like this trip down memory lane with them it is um which was such a treat you know i just remember uh even with um oh, like richard link later when we were doing uh, slacker, or even like, dazed and confused, like the stories that Richard would tell of, you know, the scene would come up and there's this, you know, girl and, and a woman in the scene and, and Richard would be like, oh, that's, that's Betty. And, you know, she was, she's a bank teller at the local bank and, right. you know, oh, we almost couldn't shoot this scene on this, this empty lot. Cause the, the man who owned this lot wanted, you know, $50 from <laughs> us to shoot there and nobody had $50. Like those kind of stories were just They were great, uh, yeah, amazing. the best ones, yeah. yeah. I, I recorded one, I recorded a, when I was in the room with Michael Cimino, I asked him if, can I record this? And he said, yeah, but don't, have, you can't play for anybody. So I recorded it and, you know, I found it recently, I listened to it and I was like, man, if I could release that, it would be, so, people would love to hear an intimate conversation <laughs> with Michael Cimino. Oh my uh, gosh, yes. Uh, you know, sometimes, we would only have these guys for like two or three days because they'd fly in or something like that. And we would start at 9 a.m., but you would finish at midnight sometimes because this is just the only time we had with these people. And you still do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying to get better at that, but you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, I just feel uh, as there's so many good colorists out there that being in the habit of saying no to anything just you know, opens up the doors for people having to work with somebody else. So, you know, yeah. so I'm, I'm, you always have to be there for your filmmakers. And, um, and that's why they come back because they know you're that person that will be there. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, that's, that's certainly part of it. And, um, to your point as well, you guys started piggybacking the criterion titles with what I was working on, um, and in the DI, once once this digital intermediate thing became uh, a thing, and that was so much fun. I just remember having a year or two of, you know, I'm working on limited control with Jim Jarmusch and Christopher Doyle's in town. So you're like, hey, Joe, you know, we we did a, a pass on Chunking Express. Like since since you're there with Chris, you know, can we work on this? So you know, a lot of my day and night sessions uh, were because I was working on a on a DI um, a new movie. theatrical yeah. grade, you know, yeah. in my theater all day. And then we would that after that shift was over, we'd move into a telecine suite and uh, yeah, you know, getting to sit with Chris uh, going through chunking express. That was fun. Was yeah. Such a unique experience, you know, cause he's, you know, he's like, oh, that apartment uh, in this scene, like that's my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I live, I live, and that's now a uh, a tourist attraction. You know, everyone comes by and wants to see that apartment because of this movie. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing on um, 
with Wes Anderson, you know, when we did Bottle Rocket. Oh, you were working on Darjeeling, weren't you? Darjeeling Limited, yeah. that's right. So, you know, I'm getting those things. a double dose of, of Wes. You know, we'd spend the day in the theater working on Darjeeling, and then we would go up to the Telecine Suite and do Bottle Rocket. Yeah. When I was reading your uh, IMDb page, because I thought, I'm going to see what Joe, I don't remember what Joe's done recently. So I looked, but I somehow ended up on this... Uh, this quote that that Jim Jim wrote about you on on Patterson. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I loved it. So I'm going to read it. He said, "Yeah, we did it with colorist Joe Gallo, who did Arrival. In my opinion, he's the greatest on this planet. He is the man. I had the master Fred Elms as my DP, and when I got the two of them together, I was thinking, how did I trick these great artists into working with me? <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I, I actually haven't I haven't heard that, but uh, it's a good one." I mean, boy, coming from Jim. Um, but come on, Jim yeah. is the best person to work with because he's so – his feedback is always so pleasant. Even if he doesn't like something, he's easy about it. He's not – he, well, would you agree with that? You know, being one of the coolest human beings on the planet but then also has his Midwestern upbringing like I do, he is just a complete gentleman. Yes. And such a collaborator. Like he – He's become, you know, he's very loyal. Like he likes to work with the same people, and uh, and so since since we came together um, on, uh, you know, remastering a lot of his titles, maybe Ghost Hog was the first one we all did together. We did Stranger Than, but we did I basically remastered most of his, you know, his his old, uh, you know, original films, and then uh, now just having done all of his digital intermediates together, he's. I consider him a friend, which yeah. just like blows my mind because I remember being in high school and my buddy worked at a video rental store and like those were the movies we would would watch, you know. And yeah, I had a a fun experience with him. He famously doesn't like to record commentaries for his movies, but we were recording this Ask Jim session where he would like respond to questions that people had emailed, and uh, he, you know, we sat together and did it, and he was, you know, very pleasant and good and gave thoughtful answers and everything but he was never that animated you know he was just sort of low-key just getting through it and then after we were done recording he saw i think one of lee's guitars in my office and he was like oh guitar do you play guitar i was like yeah i play guitar and then we spent like an hour just talking about guitar pedals and amplifiers and all things like the nerdiest parts of guitar it was so fun i just felt honored you know i was like i'm talking to jim jarmish about guitars and yeah. he's so excited about them you know it yeah. was awesome and tarkovsky was the first thing that we had worked on together which was solaris back in that's right 2000 or whatever that was uh i think we did it twice because didn't we like do it in sd and then hd later or something that we that did a I lot of remember. things twice but I, I do remember having worked on that film with you gave me like a leg up with Steven Soderbergh because I know like <laughs> he was influenced by that film. He made his own and version so of I, it. That's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, and then I worked on some um, some films uh, that Steven was like producing and involved with. And I think, you know, like I was given a blessing to work on these things because, yeah, having worked on Solaris with you guys. So those credits do something, I guess, huh? Yeah, they really do. And the fact that you give uh, the restoration team on your Criterion titles all of these uh, accolades and credits um, in the DVD releases is really cool. Well, that's you know, really I, yeah. I hear that from people all the time. Like, oh my god, I see all these movies on Criterion, and you're in the credits. Um, so I was, th I wanted to talk to you about um, like the switch from traditional telecine and working on a monitor to when you moved to a DI theater. Cause that was a big moment in technology change. And I know Absolutely. like there was, there was kind of a, the one time we tried to do it early on was with, with Ang Lee for the ice storm where Fred Elms <laughs> wanted to shoot to, to work in the DI theater. So we right. set it up and you were kind of like, well, you know, we're not quite there yet for home video, but you know, we can try it. And Fred was like, yeah, let's make it work. So we yeah. made it work, and Eng came in, and he's like, what are we doing in this theater? And you tried to explain, and Fred went to bat for his, his vision, and uh, and then Eng said, I, I don't think this is a good idea. And we 
had to sit in the big DI theater with a little monitor in front of us all gathered around <laughs> I, it. <laughs> I absolutely remember that. And and Ang was 100% right. He was. <laughs> you know? We weren't ready. Yeah. Right yeah. off the bat. Well, yeah, that translation now from theatrical like produ- uh, uh, projection onto glass is is quite good you know color science has has gotten to a point now to help really manage uh the output displays um it used to be a pretty heavy lift like once you had graded something for theatrical release to uh and make sure that it's um calibrated to the the readings on the projector and it had to be calibrated to what the lab that you were connected to was was spitting out uh, of the bath, uh, all these lookup tables and things to get yeah. a proper like print, you know, because we were grading something that then was getting shot back out to film and printed, uh, which isn't so much the case anymore, um, sadly to some degrees. Um, but uh, then getting a proper video master to match that afterwards, you know, took a lot more work. Um, but yeah, I think Ang's point was like we're not grading this for theatrical. So, you know, why, why are we even bothering look at it, looking at it on projection? And I do remember it was just so strange because the way that the grading theater was set up is you're in the back as a colorist in the very back of the room and everyone sits in front of you in these nice chairs and looks at the big, beautiful screen. Uh, and all of a sudden, Ang and Fred and, and you were all huddled in this <laughs> behind the console with me around this little... Uh, high dive, 30 high, inch monitor, yeah. A 30 inch HD monitor uh, for a few days, and yeah. um, and uh, but that that uh, that was my kind of introduction to Lee uh, Ang Lee, and also I guess Fred, and and boy, I mean I've been working with Fred ever since, and uh, and with Ang as well. The remember we, I was doing um, taking Woodstock, and then oh, yeah. you brought in uh, Ride with the Devil. That's right. You know, so an, another story of <laughs> working with them on these two yeah. uh, separate projects at, at the same time. It's like capitalizing on their availability sometimes because, you know, getting right. a director for a week is really difficult. Um, you know, here at, at Harbor, we have um, offline editorial and finishing all on the same floor. And so the energy at this place with, you know, when Jim Jarmusch is editing here and uh, and Mira comes in f- to work and they see each other in the hallway or, you know, and Ron Howard is here, all of a sudden it's like, it's like the most magical place. Like I would never want to be anywhere else, you know, and all the edit suites are filled with these great filmmakers and then we're doing our finishing work. Like I really miss that and camaraderie. Andrew, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, My buddy uh, is a colorist at a, another um, facility in New York and uh, talks about just how great it is to run into people in the kitchen. You know, yeah, somebody was absolutely. getting a cup of coffee and he'll walk in and there will be, you know, a hero. Yeah, yeah. I actually got caught in a hug between Danny DeVito and Ron Howard once. <laughs> you know, I'm there talking to Ron and Danny comes in and they see each other and it just ended up being this weird thing where I was the sandwich in between the two of them. And I was like, wow, I wish somebody had a camera or something right now. This is very bizarre, um, but very cool. And and then having, you know, having built Harbor as this, you know, place in New York for filmmakers to call home and then to have it, I've actually worked and, you know, it's, it is a lot of kind of, uh, you know, New York independent type of filmmakers that we had in mind when we built this place to have had them actually support it. Um, and, and, uh, and here we are all these years later, still in business has been incredibly, incredibly rewarding. Well, you know, from the, from the, from the minute you built that place and you came over there and started working there and you're a partner there too. So I'd love to know how it, that transpired. Uh, but, you know, it's been a place where you've made people feel comfortable and you've left the deluxes and the Technicolors still with business. But, you know, you've taken on a lot that I think you, you've been very successful. At. And I think it's that warm, welcoming vibe that you get at Harbor that I think is kind of missing from big corporations like Deluxe and Technicolor. And not to say there's not great people that provide that, but as a whole, right. Harbor has that. Um, thank you. Yes, and that, that's been... That was the goal from 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 the get go, right? Is uh, you know trying to work with the filmmakers, um, you know, and and I think it was the timing was 
was amazing, right? Because all of a sudden this digital projection and people are shooting digitally, like, you know, we were able to like build something that we didn't necessarily need film scanners or even film projectors. Um, and, and, and just personally, I was at this point in my life where, you know, I was uh, fulfilled by the work that I was doing at, at Deluxe, you know, getting to work on the biggest movies, uh, but I wanted something more. And so when I met uh, my partner, Zach and Theo, you know, I felt like I should really, like, I've already, I helped build the Technicolor facility in New York. I helped build the, uh, the, the facility for Deluxe. So I'm like, why don't I build this for myself? And then that kind of timing and, uh, and those larger corporations at that moment too were, we're having some um, cultural in, internal kind of cultural issues, and so Harbor was like this new fresh idea that came out at just the right time. Uh, also helped that that New York post tax credit kicked in a couple months after we opened our doors, and everyone and, was shooting uh, in New York. Yeah, everyone was shooting in New York, and everyone just needed what we had just happened to have built, and uh, and we really just tried to you know be humble and 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 do right by the filmmakers, and and it's not always you know, about the bottom line, like we can make, make, make bids and things work, uh, just to try to like get these projects through. And it's been, um, yeah, incredibly rewarding, that. you know, and even when you bring up Declan, uh, you know, I'll never forget just like he, he was the first kind of really legitimate filmmaker who he brought a film that he shot for Mira, um, the reluctant fundamentalist mm. and that was kind of like our like that helped kind of launch us from you know not knowing where we were going to exactly get projects from or I, I didn't know when i went to start my own thing with harbor if filmmakers would follow me i'm like were they there because of deluxe or were they there because of me and declan came with me all of a sudden we had this like film with real actors and you know in a real uh <laughs> like a budget yeah director and a budget that 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 we actually uh, were able to pull off and um and that i'll never forget declan for that and he's become you know a wonderful friend he's a great over guy. these years as yeah. well he so helped talented me with, he helped me with uh, mccabe and mrs miller where i was like after vilmos died um mm. we we you know i was really i couldn't figure out how to do this one. I was really stuck. And Declan, I called him just to talk to him about the processes. And he came in and looked at scans with me. And, you know, it was the beginning of my research on how to make this film look right. And Declan was, was, was great about that. And he's just a good human. Yeah. So you, you guys are great about pulling in resources, you know, particularly of a film where the filmmakers uh, are no longer alive or available. Um, you know, we did that a number of times with Ed on the those Douglas Sirk films, right? Because Ed studied Ru uh, Russell Metty's cinematography and all yeah. the Sirk films, yeah. So for far, for far from heaven, so yeah, he was, and you know that was great to do that with Ed because he really enjoyed it. I feel like he, although I would, I will say there are a couple of times Ed would push things a little bit too much, and I'd say, do you think Russell Metty would do that? He'd go, yeah, he would, yeah, right. Do that. <laughs> Ed loves. The color grading suite. He uh, does. Yeah, and and he definitely he pushes things, uh, and um, and sometimes I question it, and then at the end of the day, when I see what we've done, you know, later uh, once once it's all rendered and put out, I was like, he was absolutely right. Yeah. You know, it has an interesting look because Ed pushed me there, like he made me take it to another place that maybe I hadn't really considered. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that's another thing as a, as an evolution, uh, as a, as a colorist, you know, to, to do TV commercials and music videos and things, you know, you had to pull out all the bells and whistles and put on blurs and glows and, and change, twist the color of this hue and, and, um, go and do all these little tricks and, and things like that. And then when I started working on feature films with you guys, you know, the in, the intent is already it's a whole it's a whole different psychological game that you have to play you know like that 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 ip uh you know someone's already gone through it's got printer timings and things like that and so it was about you know maximizing what the telecine was able to get on the scan part and and being true to um to what was already uh photographed and timed 
uh, to make it as beautiful as possible, but you're not like necessarily recreating uh, something. And so that was like a whole new approach. And then all there's, of a sudden there's, I'm sitting there's with, limits that you can only, you can only take it so far. That's right. But it's still every bit as much challenging um, and sometimes more. And, and then I just built this aesthetic, like my, 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 my brain of what I was like attracted to of sitting with Harris Savitas and, and Fred Elms and, and all of these kind of like people working on movies for Criterion, yeah. like it, it helped kind of bake this, this, this idea of what I thought was beautiful, uh, which has then really helped my aesthetic and now working on films that are, you know, coming from a digital, digitally originated source and being projected digitally, like trying to like get that photochemical look back onto, onto these films. You know, like if you're working with Fred, you know, he's, 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 he's like burning a hole in that screen with how intently he's looking at everything as, as we're doing the DI, like he's really, really into it, but it's all, as organic a movements as you can possibly do. At least mm-hmm. our first two times through the movie, you know, it's like very, very detail oriented, but it's not, it's not about windowing or not about, it's like just, just touching the contrast and the, and the brightness, just moving things, but in a way that, you know, could be done photochemically um, potentially. Uh, and then he's just building in this whole, uh, in his brain, I, I know he's just like keeping these notes of, all right, when we finally go through our final pass, these, these problems that we couldn't fix doing an overall balance of the image, then we'll go in and hit some windows and, and shape the things. But like he, he really wants to have a pure approach to that negative mm. before you add that last kind of extra layer at, at the very end. And then it's very efficient at the end. It's just like bang, 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 bang. But he knows in his mind like where his problems are. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of filmmakers today, you know, from boom, you put up that first image and it's, all right, let's put a window here, put a window there. Let's let's all know, grab the skin yeah. tone and right. and 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 shift it this way and shift it that way. And uh, I'm I'm happy to do that, and I can do that um, for people. But a lot of times, I'll kind of go down that that path with them and 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 entertaining all of these ideas. And you know, they're just trying to like uh, find the look, you know. And right. then once we kind of pulled everything apart, I might grab a frame of that peel off all that work that we just did and try to like <laughs> get back to that look that they liked yeah. uh, more organically. And, and nine times out of 10, they're like, ah, that's much better. What did you do? I'm like, well, I just took off all of that. Those, <laughs> all those did, things you know, that we spent hours on and building. Right. Before. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, then you have Wes Anderson who doesn't like car windows. And uh, I know that makes <laughs> Bob right. a little crazy because Bob wants to add a window here and there and Wes is no windows. Yeah. No, yeah. Wes is still no windows. You think he's come around to a few? Uh, well, you know, I haven't seen Wes in a while. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine he still tries to keep it as, as, as photochemical as possible yeah. but now you know he's just he's doing this like stop motion animation movies you know he's doing all sorts of different things yeah. so i don't know how much uh extra work that they're doing on on those i wonder i have to ask yeah. bob about it or whoever does the cinematography on these so you yeah. you did a star wars movie you graded a star wars movie uh, yeah that's a big how deal. about that that yeah, yeah. That's amazing. uh again <laughs> who'd, who'd have thought and um <laughs> Yeah, so that that that's really amazing. Uh, you know, my friend, uh, one of my closest friends, Bradford Young, you know, one of the top working cinematographers out there today, uh, in my opinion. Um, it's just one of those great um, relationships. I think that every creative person like hopes to have had sometime in their career. You know, I meet so many cinematographers that you know, because of that relationship, they they've. They, they came together with a certain director and they accomplished great things together, right? And I, I've worked with very talented cinematographers like that never met that director and then their their career only kind of went so far, right? So for me as a colorist, um, I met Bradford Young um, very early on in his career and, and worked on one of his very first films uh, called Pariah. And, um, Which we're going to be releasing yeah, in Criterion right now, this year. Yeah. Get out! Yeah, oh, is that right? That transfer still holds up very well, by the way. I don't think ah. it, you don't have to remaster it. It's really there. Good. You go. Oh, that's excellent. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm so glad to hear that. It's such a powerful film. It's great. Really, yeah. really uh, beautiful film. 
uh, D. Reese is a director yes. on that, um, who I've worked with since then as well. And uh, anyway, so you know, Bradford went on to win Best Cinematography at Sundance uh, with that movie, and then uh, and then we just became friends, and like he just kept doing these projects that would just get a little bigger and a little bigger. Um, and uh and always like just delivered you know on the on the images um we did uh then we did um oh ain't them body saints which also won cinema best cinematography at sundance so bradford had two films at sundance that year and they actually split the cinematography prize Amazing. yeah so all of a sudden people you know were like whoa who who is this guy, <laughs> this guy. yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we became such good friends that if he was, you know, talking to a director about his next movie, he would, like, call me and we would kind of talk about it. Like, hey, you know, I'm thinking of working with this director. You know, I don't know. Like, it's different for me. Should I do it? And it's just like we've just become so close and collaborative in that way. And I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And, you know, then so then all of a sudden he gets this opportunity to work with uh, Denis Villeneuve on Arrival. And, uh, and they're shooting up in Montreal. And he's like... It's got to be Joe, you know. I, 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 Joe's my guy, and and uh, and so the, all of a sudden I'm up in Montreal, you know, on the set of this this uh, you know really interesting but different kind of you know alien invasion movie, and um, and getting to know Denny a little bit, and uh, and helping kind of supervise the dailies, um, and then uh, months later came back and and did the DI actually Forwald up in Montreal. And um, and just worked on all these beautiful, like artistic, poetic images uh, for the story, you know, about these aliens. And uh, anyway, so I knew the movie was beautiful. Gorgeous. But Bradford yeah, and it's I totally it blew me away. Yeah, we walk we walk away from that 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 experience of grading the film, and we just looked at each other. We're like, I think it's a good movie. You know, we're like, because it was it was just not like this slam dunk of like, oh, everybody's gonna like you know react to this movie. It was like. You know, Denny's got a great track record, but like, you know, is anyone going to go see this? And then, thank God, like, it just really connected and uh, and went on to be this huge success and then had all these Oscar nominations. And all of a sudden, Bradford has like this best cinematography uh, Oscar nomination. And I was like, wow, like that was so cool to like kind of you know come from this place of doing these little independent movies that uh, had no money to then actually you know seeing brad at at the oscars uh and then from there moving on into the uh the star wars universe uh was was just mind-blowing you know so that that it's a different kind of machine isn't it it's it it <laughs> it, it is a different machine i really enjoyed the whole experience i, I think um this is the, the solo was the, the it was the solo film and and you know Everyone that's talked to me about the movie really actually enjoyed the movie. Uh, it didn't connect. Talk about connecting with an audience. It just didn't quite um, uh, hit like some of the other Star Wars movies. But you know, nobody really said that it was not a good movie. Um, but again, you know, Bradford told the Lucasfilm people and and the directors at the time like it's got to be Joe. Like if you like, if you're hiring me, like you have to hire Joe to get to get that look. Uh, which again, I am just like so grateful for Brad to like take me on this journey uh, with him, and so you know they flow me out to London, and I'm there like on the set of Star Wars, you know, uh, and Brad and I are like on the middle of this like big stage, and there's stormtroopers and robots and shit all around us, and he and I are just looking at each other like, what are we doing here? Like, do these, <laughs> what are these people done? Like, they do they know that you know we we come from these independent movies. Um, and that was just like, uh, very, very cool. And the Lucasfilm people were, were wonderful. And, uh, and so, yeah, many months or a year or so later, <clears throat> well, I should back up too. I'm, I'm sitting on set, you know, looking at the monitors as they're shooting and, you know, like the head of Lucasfilms is on one side of me and the director, like I was like right there with these people because I was kind of Brad's eyes. Uh, and it was just a very surreal uh, experience um, to have on the set, and then you know, a year or so later, we we did all the color timing at uh, the Skywalker Ranch. So I had worked at the Skywalker Ranch before, um, 
but this time for for solo i was there for many 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 weeks and wow. um that was really really special and got to know ron howard really well because he was there mixing and and doing the grade with me and, and then you know at the, when you're at the ranch you're you're staying at the ranch you know i lived on the ranch for a number of weeks and um and so at night you know ron and i would have a bottle of wine and by the fire and and and, and hang out and talk and it was just like uh really really uh, fantastic uh experience uh to get to work on something like that so it's fun to have to be in new york as a colorist to work on these amazing independent films with you know with people like jim jarmusch and uh and to have then started my own business to like because i've always been drawn to maybe go out to the west coast you know but I just I was I'm like man if I can work with Woody Allen and Jim Jarmusch like in New York like I'm good, uh, and then I started my own business so I figured I'm kind of giving up any opportunities of of doing you know blockbuster type films, and uh, and then all of a sudden I'm rewarded with getting to do a Star Wars it's film amazing. yeah uh, awesome. which was really cool and, and where do you go from there though I mean <laughs> it's like once you do a Star Wars film you've kind of no man, I'm 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 happy. Yeah, I'm I'm happy. It's such a different relationship when you've started your own shop to the the way the filmmakers and I interact. Uh, it's a whole different level, you know, because yeah. they know they're in my house. Right. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, uh, right. Totally. They're guests in my house, which is which is super cool. Yeah. And and now it's just like we've just been so fortunate to have so many Oscar nominated films the last couple of years. Um, it would be kind of become a place of known of like, ah, Harbor's the place where like, you know, they do those cool, the cool, like, you know, award-winning kind of movies, right. which is amazing. A nice thing. And you're now in, in London and LA, which is yeah. uh, fantastic. So, so crazy. Really grown that, that business. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tell yeah. me, uh, can you tell us, uh, do you have a good Woody Allen story? Cause everybody always wants to know what, what Woody's like. Oh, Lee, if this podcast goes viral, I'm going to have to find new stories if I <laughs> tell all my stories. Um, I hope people find these interesting because I actually, I think I have what I think is an amazing uh, Woody Allen story um, when we were working on Midnight in Paris. Uh, I may have told this one to you already. And, you know, Darius and I had already done a first pass of the film. And Woody had never done a digital intermediate at that point. Everything he'd done was photochemical at that point, right? Uh, I think maybe some visual effects or some things in some of his previous movies, he saw something digitally, but uh, this is like his first kind of full-on digital intermediate. So he walks into the theater, sits down, um, takes his hat off, you know, puts his hands on his lap, and he's like, all right, let's, let's, let's begin. He's like, let's watch the movie MOS, you know, no, no sound. And so uh, we start watching this first pass of the film. Uh, and Darius is sitting next to me and, you know, we have no sound. So we get through that first, you know, 16, 18 minute reel and, and Woody says nothing. And then, and, and then it takes a moment. I, my, my system breaks, breaks the, 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 the reels into separate reels. Right. So I have to like close out reel one, open up reel two. Uh, we're all sitting there in silence. We watch reel two Anyway, we go through the entire movie, and Woody, no, nobody in the room says anything. And Darius and I are kind of shooting looks at each other, like, "Ooh, this is like, is this okay? Like, what's going on here?" <laughs> uh, we bring up the lights, and uh, and Woody's like, "Let me start by saying, of all the movies I've had made in my career, this is by best, by far the best first pass." So, like. Darius and I like wow. exhale. We're like, okay, yeah. we like, <laughs> we moved in the right direction. You know, all the credit really goes to Darius. You know, Woody likes things warm, and 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 that that particular film was lit very warm, so it wasn't a um, a heavy lift to try to 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 make something that was warm. But anyway, so then Woody goes on to say, you know, but in the interest of being productive, like, let me tell you what I had issues with. So I'm like, okay, I, I pull out like a legal pad, and this man goes from the very first shot of the movie all the way through the entire run of the film, giving me specific color notes off the top of his head. So he watches the movie in silence, doesn't write anything down. And he gives notes for an entire feature length film uh, of what he wanted Darius and I to work on. And 
it just absolutely blew my mind that he had all of that inside of his head, you know, that, uh, you know, for me, if I'm sitting watching something and I see three shots that I'm not happy with, I got to like run back around and yeah. hit stop and, right. and, and address the note. Or I need to write it down. Woody had notes for the entire film, uh, very specific notes, uh, all, all, yeah. all in his head. And obviously the man's made movies his whole life photochemically timing things. So I think he was just kind of used to working that way of, you know, giving these notes, but I had never seen anything like that. When, when he then like left Darius and I were both just kind of in awe of this kind of That's amazing. I would never have thought this. Yeah, (laughs) really. I mean, wow. And were his notes valid? Were they, were they? Oh, they were all very good. I mean, Lee, I had like pages and pages of notes. I'm like writing as fast (laughs) as I can as this man is just like every, he didn't hem or haw or wasn't confused about, oh, was it this scene here that no, he knew boom, 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 uh, everything. And uh, it was really, that was impressive. Do you think he Um, liked the digital process at that point? Do you think like that was like a turning point for him? Because a lot of filmmakers resist it, then they love it. Right. So, well, what I found interesting about that point is, is he, you know, we, it took him a few times to realize that we could just do the work live. Like uh, he would always come in and review with us, give us some notes, and then he would leave. We, as much as we'd be like, oh, hey, well, you want us to do it right now? He'd be like, no, 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 I'll come back. Uh, and finally, like his editor and producers are like, no, Woody, like, all right, this, this is our last time together. Like, and watch what Joe can do. And I made some adjustments live and then it clicked with him like, oh. Oh, oh, because he just his whole career had been about giving notes and then leaving, and then this whole photochemical process would have to happen over a couple of days before he could see it again. So, um, so all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, wow, okay, you know." And so we we did spend a day or two with him, you know, doing actual like um, corrections. Uh, but what I also found interesting is, uh, you know, a few weeks later we're we're looking at film out prints with Woody, you know, so he. You know, they, he had to sign off on the film print, and uh, and he's like, "Well, why am I here? Like, why are we printing? Like, it looks mm. so good. That digital thing that we saw, like, what wh- what are we doing this for with these prints?" And and I at that time I was like, "Wow, that's really telling." I would have thought that he would have been all about you know the film prints, but he he was kind of like, "No, I was already happy with what we had. Um, having to now take this extra step." Um, you know, to him, like he was, he was ready to let go a little bit. Uh, and I have since heard, you know, he's shooting things, uh, you know, he shoots things on film still sometimes and also uh, digital. And, and at least from what, what I've heard is like, he does really love kind of being on set and seeing a larger monitor with like a properly mm-hmm. like graded, lutted, um, you know, representation of, of what he's going to see uh, on, on set, you know, versus yeah. kind of, wait until seeing dailies or something, uh, you know, that night. Yeah. Roger Deakins was telling me with the Coen brothers that he, um, he, they really were very resistant about shooting digital. And then Roger would say, well, look, you can play back right here and see your monitor. It's like, we don't care about that. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But eventually I think they all like worked it out. But, you know, Roger went from film to digital very quickly and, you know, wanted to make sure that, uh, he, you know, he loves. He wouldn't go back to shooting film if. I I happen to have been in LA at uh, E Film when that moment happened. I was not in the room, uh, uh-huh. but I was in the lobby that that afternoon when uh, when this woman Beverly Woods, who was running the Deluxe Laboratory at the time, she just comes out of the DI theater and she's like, "That's it. Roger loves the digital. He loves the uh, the airy." She's like. It's- it's all over. We're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, she's like, she saw that as being, you know, the, uh, the end of film capture. And I, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm here experiencing a moment right now. Cause yeah. uh, when that, when that airy camera came out, that really, um, shifted the paradigm. You know, I, every, every movie that I was working on at that point, um, they would do a test, right? So they would uh, shoot some film and shoot this new digital airy camera, and we'd do like a side by side test. That that went on for like two years. Every movie had this, you know, this test, and it was just the first time where everyone in the theater was like at a bit of a loss, you know. Which before, one's which, or 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 just like which one's better, oh, you right. know? Maybe 
you know, you could get them to 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 look very much the same. You know, the the Aerie camera, I find that if I have a film originated reference, uh, I can get that look into the Aerie camera. Um, I, I I miss that now on shows sometimes. Uh, like I'm like, if you shoot some film, like. The, the film just gives you something that 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 is wonderful that I, I feel like I can get that on the airy, but I kind of I need to see it from the film <laughs> if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, before that camera came out, um, it was always very clear when you do a side by side of digital capture and film capture that ah well, look the the windows are completely clipped and blown out, or there's some funny thing with the skin tones. And then then all of a sudden this this when this airy camera came out, you know people were um you know a little more like oh wow i'm i'm confused like i kind of like what i'm seeing here um and and i think it's important that we have both you know to this to this day like yeah. i still love when i get to work on shows that are shot on film um there's definitely that kind of whatever analog vinyl <laughs> you yeah, know that, uh, that, argument that, that people a, make a warmth maybe of some sort that i don't know yeah. what, what better term to yeah use. But it used to be like you could really just like point at something on the screen and say like that's why film is better. And now now it's like a little more of a blurry line. Now it becomes this like feeling, you know, which can sound like a baloney to some people sometimes, uh, you know, that it feels different. But um, yeah, uh, you know, here we are. It's yeah. uh, it's not going anywhere. It's not going uh, anywhere. <laughs> hey, do you remember when we worked with uh, Brian De Palma on? Uh, it was a blowout. blowout. Yeah, it was blowout, and um, I remember this, this was this was pretty funny because we had had him come in, and he uh, started working, and he was pretty quiet. And then he said, um, "He's watching it," and he goes, "This thing go any faster?" And you said, <laughs> "And you said, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we can we can play it in double speed." He goes, "Double speed, okay, come on." So I was like, "You put it in double speed," and then he goes. Does it go any faster? <laughs> and you said, yeah. He goes, well, we can go three times, four times speed. He goes, let's go four. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and then um, he hadn't made any changes. So I thought, well, I guess we did really good. But uh, he said, uh, then um, I guess one of your corrections didn't hit at the same time. And he goes, oh, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. Well, Come right. back. Something's right. wrong. Come on. Right. <laughs> What's going on here? What are you trying to pull on yeah, me? Yeah, what are you trying to uh, pull? And you're like, oh, I got this. He goes, much better. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the reason I, I remember thinking it, the reason it didn't work out because we wanted to bring in Vilmos, and he said, Nah, he, he, no, we don't want Vilmos in there. It makes everything too fucking dark. And we said, oh, Okay, well, uh, <laughs> all right. So then, when you and I worked with Vilmos on the Rose, the Rose, yeah, uh, Michael Chimino was worried that Vilmos would have made it too dark too. So I said, Well, clearly, uh, Vilmos makes likes things dark. So you're like, Oh yeah, we better make it real dark. And uh, so we. Vilmos sits down and he goes, okay, play it. And we play it in like 20 minutes and he goes, I have a question. And we're like, yeah. And he goes, why is it so dark? Right. <laughs> and we were like, well, everyone told us that's what you like. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I think that was one of those few jobs we've done so many together where I like darted looks over at you like, Lee, you made me do this. But <laughs> 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 the Palman <laughs> right? To I know. So I couldn't. There was no choice. But uh, but then Vilmos was great. And then uh, oh, my favorite geez. part of the whole thing was we walked yeah. out of. The, you know, I took a picture to you. Remember? Because I was I like, oh, I got to get a picture, of you guys. And uh, thank God and you did. I, Vilmos was like, okay, I'm going to get a taxi now. Can you can you take me downstairs? And I said, uh, yeah. So I take him downstairs. And I said, well, it's lovely to meet you. He goes, you too. So nice. I can't wait to work on McCabe. And I'm thinking, oh, great. I'm so glad yeah. he's going to be there for McCabe and uh, pull over, get him a taxi wave and the taxi comes in and he goes okay very nice and shakes my hand and then he gets in the front seat of the taxi and he goes away <laughs> and I just thought well that's interesting yeah no one ever gets in the front seat of a no. taxi in New York unless that's they have funny. to <laughs> yeah yeah but he, he was, was he was the best such a gentleman man yeah, yeah. I, I I treasure that that moment um, working on the rose with him and then I was so looking forward to McCabe uh, Me too. Yeah, and um, just didn't didn't work out uh, yeah. how we'd all hoped it would, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, he he was terrific. Yeah, he sure um, was. You know, I was thinking too about um, you know just the, the 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 lengths that you guys go to to like get the best film element and and uh, you know all the research and um, and how we were working on uh, this crazy film called Haksan. Mm. Oh yeah, Haksan, right? Haksan. Witchcraft through the ages, yeah, yep. yeah, and 
just like really incredible images. Um, and uh, I just I remember you know you guys a lot of times would have a reference you know of like oh this is something that was approved or whatever at some point and it was like a black and white movie, and uh, and we're going through it and I you know, the easy thing as a colorist is like, all right, let me make my life a lot easier. I'm just going to turn the saturation down to zero because this is a black and white movie that I don't have to worry <laughs> about, you know, if, if stuff starts swimming around or anything like that. But I hadn't, I hadn't done that. I wanted to be more disciplined and like balance it and make it black and white. Um, and then also because then it could have a little bit of flavor and stuff. And anyway, all of a sudden I like find all of these scenes where it's like tinted warm or tinted blue and i'm looking at like the off like the reference that you and i had and i'm like whoever did this previous transfer just turned, it all turned off. the yeah, saturation it down to zero because they thought they were making a black and white movie so yeah. like i thought that was really cool i remember like telling him like lee like is this right like and we had to go in and like do some research and find out like oh well, actually yeah that the, they had these different tints and stuff like that so uh yeah, i was like very proud of myself <laughs> that I didn't take a shortcut <laughs> and kind of, you know, otherwise I would have just kind of looked at this other transfer that had been done and, and just be like, Oh, okay, well it's just uh, you know, black and white. So that, that, that was like a, a cool moment and such, such crazy images. I remember going through and watching uh, bits and pieces of it with Harris Savides. Cause I was like, Oh, this is just crazy dark, awesome images and i wonder if harris was familiar with it and um Did i was fortunate uh he'd heard of it but then we you know like watched watched it together and uh it was just so cool um to have that experience uh yeah. with with harris because he's another person that i just like oh, the best. I'm always thinking like all yeah. right well, what would harris do you know because he he just had such an incredible eye and uh i remember being at the office, uh, at Criterion with with Harris uh, yeah. as well, and that video of him the in, closet the, in video, the closet, like, such a good one. I'm like, man, I was yeah. standing right over the cameraman's shoulder as Harris was doing this whole thing, standing next to you, and yeah, that was like a really uh, special special yeah, that, moment. And that and closet I, video I actually Harris. makes me cry. It's yeah. like I find it very moving because of his love for just this like sheer love of a couple of the movies that he talks about and yeah uh, his passion was he he is sorely missed yeah so so passionate and the way he would work the negative uh, you know I would I also would do TV commercials with Harris you know and uh, and um, you know he just I, I wasn't used to somebody underexposing an image like that, you know, so he gets that like really, really dark, milky, uh, you know, you have to roll up the blacks and like you'd, he'd have this contrast. Like it was just very hard to find. Um, and there was no latitude like you, it was what it was. So mm. I wasn't used to getting images like that. And, uh, it wasn't till Harris would kind of walk in the room and say, ah, yeah, that, that looks great. <laughs> that I could like <laughs> no, stop sweating was, yeah. and my heart rate could go down. Cause I'm like, if he doesn't like this, I don't know what else, <laughs> yeah. you know, what else it's going to be. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, he was one of the masters. Yeah. And, you know, talking about the art uh, and the craft as well. I remember uh, doing a, a DI with Harris. We'd, we'd graded the whole film in New York, um, a Noah Baumbach film, uh, Greenberg. Oh, yeah. And he, we, then we had to go out to LA to do like a final review of the film because Noah was uh, out there, um, and he couldn't come meet us in New York. So I'm, I'm in LA reviewing the film, uh, what we had already agreed on in New York with Harris. And uh, anyway, he also was then photochemically timing a film in LA, I guess for Sophia. Um, and oh, I just yeah, remember he him shot coming. Something right for her. Uh, and he just kind of was in the DI theater and he just seemed like a little, little depressed or sad. And I'm like, what, what, what's going on? And he's like, yeah, I, I'm afraid I might've just photochemically timed my last film. You know, he's like, it, it was just too difficult. Huh. You know, he's like the people, the whole machine, you know, that used to be in place to, to make, you know, color timing a film photochemically was, um, was so easy. Uh, like those people were kind of gone, right? You know, all, all of that was kind of being dismantled and and changing over to this whole digital process. So I he, that I could, I just see that bothered him. Yeah. <laughs> you know that that those those people um, 
weren't in place anymore that he'd worked with all these years, you know, to, to be able to do something uh, purely photochemical. Yeah, the death of a technology, but the advent of a new one. I mean, it's something we've all faced, and there's always that nervousness about going to the next one. But then when you get there, I think, and you, it matures, you feel, you, hopefully your confidence gets back to where it should be. And, you know, right now, I, I still think the best combination is shooting on film and, and, and finishing on digital, but it's pretty close. So, um, and a lot less expensive, I guess, to shoot on digital now. So Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, the discipline to get things just absolutely perfect on set to be able to photochemically time something, uh, that, that, that's, that's probably gone. Oh, you know, that's it's not just gone. about the yeah. cinematographer. It's like the whole crew has to be completely on their game for something to, to, to land, to not require any kind of a digital intermediate, uh, intervention. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, because there's that fix it in post technology, uh, uh, you know, idea behind it that people th know now. And back then, when they had to shoot on film and they only had latitude a certain way in film timing, there they couldn't do that much, so they had to get yeah. it right on the negative. And you can see that. And like, you know, we go back to original negatives of that Gordon Willis shot or uh, people like that, and and you just realize these guys knew exactly how to get what they needed on that negative. And that's right. That wouldn't that's be right. the same anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think about, you know, my very first week in a telecine uh, environment, like assisting a colorist, that all these colorists at this place I worked at were like, hey, kid, sorry, man. Like, you missed the glory years. Like, <laughs> you know, you you know, the 80s were really where it was at. But uh, like, <laughs> it's all it's all going downhill from here. You know, and this was like, you know, the mid 90s. Um, and I was like, oh, man, I'm like getting into this like, horse and buggy business, you know, that's not going to be around for very long. And, uh, but it just continues to evolve. You know, here we are yeah. all these years later, uh, doing things the way we do them and still people telling stories. And <laughs> we still make Blu-rays. We do. Yeah, right. <laughs> we do. And people still buy them. That's the yeah, thing about yeah, exactly. it. And, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. But and, you know, uh, Ryan, like when you put on a Blu-ray versus streaming, you realize oh, yeah. this is so much better. It is, but still, yeah. I'm just saying in terms of it's a technology that I signed up for, you know, it's like, well, DVDs, I guess, sure. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's still yeah. happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys were making laser discs and then, I mean, that's how we kind of came together, right? Is yeah. once, once you're like, oh, we need to now go back in and remaster these titles again for this, you know, HD technology. <laughs> yep. And I remember like talking with you when we first came together, like worried, like, well, are you guys ever going to run out of movies? <laughs> you know, like, are there? Are we going to run out of titles? You, to you've asked me that a few criteria? times. I remember you saying that. Like, are we going to? And I'm thinking, there's a lot of movies out there. You know, yeah. there really is. And you know, to this day, like a like a new movie will come to us, and I'll be not a new movie, but an, a movie that I hadn't heard about in a while, and I'll be like, yeah, totally forgot about the movie. I love that movie. So there's yeah. still a lot of those, you know, and <laughs> they come. Yeah. So. And the, well, you know, and that's the beauty of film capture as well, right? Is, you know, the scanning technology has evolved, but that film has remained the same and it keeps getting better as the scanning and display te technology gets better, right? So, yeah. you know, you, you capture digitally, you know, you're, you're capturing something, you know, in the state of the art at that moment. Uh, whereas the film, yeah, you just you can keep going back in and 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 uh, and and pulling more and more beautiful colors as the scanning and and the displays get better, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool unless your material fades, and you know the older you get, the older their fil your film materials get. That is a bit of a problem, but uh, that's why you know. Ryan, and I've done how many of these podcasts now? And we've you know one thing we always talk about is the preservation of films is probably the most important thing that we have to deal with now because if someone doesn't have a good copy of something we can't make it better if it's just a mediocre copy that's the problem so right these archives we're you know we support them we 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 acknowledge them we love them we 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 need them and um it's going to be that way uh until everything just disappears so uh hopefully until we transfer every film until we transfer, right. yeah, we we better get going, Ryan. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I might need to hire some more colorists if you guys have. Uh, yeah. so it's going to be a lot of work. We're setting it's out true. on a bold new mission to transfer every uh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I I have to give a shout out to one of your amazing colleagues, uh, Roman. 
because oh, you and Roman are, he's, he's great. He, you guys are like an amazing team. Um, I used to think he was a mini Joe, but he's, he's his own thing. He's just so talented and so yeah. great at what he does. Uh, you know, he did a pass on Blue Velvet uh, for David Lynch before we reviewed it in L.A. with a different colorist. And it was the first time I worked with David where the where David said, wow, 30 minutes in and we haven't had any changes yet. This is terrific, George. And I'm thinking, well, it wasn't just George. It was right. Roman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he's it's it's great to have um, someone you know, like Roman and I, we, we collaborate on everything. So, you know, he kind of strength he's got strengths where i have weaknesses you know so it's really great like i can always bounce something off of him of like roman why is why does this look like he's very technical you know so it's like i've helped helped him develop his 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 eye his aesthetic but then you know technically i i think he's he's so much stronger than i am and stronger than any other people that i've ever worked with that um it's just really great to have you know a partner like that and we're always kind of looking over each other's shoulders and 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 helping each other out because um there are a lot of colorists that are very kind of competitive with one another and don't want people you know knowing what they're up to and mm. and with with roman and i it's just absolutely quite the opposite and and i think everybody should give Roman a shot because he's, he's really, really terrific. Oh, well, no, don't, don't, you know, here's my, 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 to any filmmakers who want to use Roman and, and Joe for their <laughs> DI, he's not available. He's not available because he's working on our stuff and uh, you're going to have to wait for us to, to, or he's got another Star Wars movie or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> well, Joe, well, this is, uh, this has been really, really good talking to you and, and this is and, so much fun. It's really fascinating stuff. I've really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I hope, I don't know how informative it was. There's a lot of stories. Hopefully people find them in, uh, entertaining <laughs> or interesting in some way. Um, but well, these uh, are the, no, that's really what the podcast this. was supposed to be about. It's like the stories from the dark room. You know, we keep referring to 50 feet from stardom. This is like the post-production version of 50 feet from stardom. It's yeah, yeah. people that make those things that make them so great that you don't even know about the girl singing the backup in Gimme Shelter. You know, right. this is, you're the girl in the, you're the girl in Gimme Shelter in the Thank post-world. you. That's I've always thought of myself like that, <laughs> and the cinematographers know it, right? Like they the, do. They, right. they they need their colorist. They yeah. do, and that, you know I've always been very respectful of that relationship. When uh, you know Rodrigo Prieto said to me, "I want to work with Yvonne at Harbor," yeah. and he was very passionate about it. I you can't break up that marriage because there's a a, a working relationship and a and a and a, a dialogue that they have that they've established over the years and we have that because we've worked on so many films together and you have that with so many filmmakers that I have to respect that. If somebody really wants to work with somebody, I have to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what the filmmakers love about the criterion collection is you guys go that extra effort and yeah, try to make it as easy as possible for them. And yeah, yeah. I love you guys. I'm so grateful for the career I have because of, the relationship I have with you, um, I can't can't imagine um, things haven't gone any better. So, and it's not over yet. I know we have a couple titles coming up uh, in the coming months, and we uh, do. I can't wait to, we'll to give it, we'll those we'll again. We'll give people a hint. We'll just tell them that Ed Lockman's involved, which means it could be one of fifty films. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. All right. Talk to you later. Later. <laughs>